Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with Genevieve Gagnon. She is a child wellness expert, speaker, and advocate. She, this is a great episode as we really dive in to talk about all things mental health, ourselves, and our children. She is a public speaker on a mission to play a part in advancing the mental and emotional development of children. She spent over 10 years as the president of a transportation business, building high-performance teams, leveraging strategy, and handling multi-million dollar negotiations. Her executive career behind her, she took her business world skills and applied them to something that would make a true impact, and that is children. As the mother of two sons with mental health and developmental challenges, she became determined to share her knowledge and experiences with parents who struggle with similar issues. She has been referred to as one of Canada's most influential people and 20 under 40 with features in multiple newspapers and was recently appointed on the executive board of Family Resource Center ADD. This is a great episode with lots of tools and tips and strategies, as well as another example of what happens when we really share our story and use it to create impact in the world. This is exactly what she is doing. I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. Welcome to the show today, Genevieve. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. All right, let's get started so people can get to know a little bit more about you. Where are you from? I am from actually Ontario. I'm from Brampton, but uh, I moved when I went to McGill around 18 years old. I just stayed in Montreal and I've made it my home ever since. Mm, I love I love Montreal. I love old Montreal. It's one of my favorite places. It is nice. Oh, it's beautiful. It's like being in Europe. Yes, me, just exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. Do you have a book that has been impactful for you? Hmm. Well, right now I have to say I'm reading the um, new book by Obama, Promise Land. Oh, I haven't read it yet. It's and amazing. I'm Is it? It's very inspiring. I, he was on um, Brene Brown's podcast last week and I listened to it and she talked about, she said, it's a very long book. It's a very big book, but she said it's, it's well worth it. And she had a new appreciation for him and his history and his story and his values, who he is as a person, just because of understanding how he grew up. You know, um, he talks about the, it starts at, you know, when he's uh, getting into politics and I feel that it really gives you like the whole background of the decisions he made, the people he brings in every person that he, that he would, um, interact with, that he would work with. And I think you get, um, a real sense of who he is as a person. So I would agree. Okay. Awesome. On my list, on my list. Do you have a quote or a mantra that is something that either explains you or grounds you or something that you, you use for yourself? Um, I would probably say there's a, I don't know it by heart, but that's one actually that's funny because every uh, Christmas, what my kids love that I do is I, um, there's a Christmas, uh, I have like a, you know, a Christmas tree that's like felt and there's like a pocket for every day. And yes. What, yeah, you know, and uh, I put um, messages in it each day for them. So okay. whether, it's, whether it's a quote or it's something, you know, positive about them or what they've accomplished. And one of them was about, um, I don't remember by heart, but it's Nelson Mandela who said, mm-hmm. basically, if, um, 
if, how can I say it? If you didn't, uh, you never lose. You just either win or learn. Mm-hmm. That's such a good one. Yeah. That is such a good one. I love that you do that with your kids. Wow. I love that. What is something that lights you up? What drives you? What keeps you going? Um, I would probably say when I have, uh, when I'm um, doing my weekly blogs and um, I get uh, feedback from people who are either my message has resonated with them or would like to talk uh, offline and I'm able to, you know, help them because, you know, that's a, it's something I didn't really have uh, with uh, eight years ago when I was facing the mental health challenges with uh, my children. Mm. So the blog, we're going to definitely going to come back into that. And you did a really, we're just going to drop into that segue a little bit. So eight years ago, can you take us back to what life was like and maybe just a, just a glimpse of what you were going through personally so that you could, this led you to where you are now and the mission that you're on now. Um, so I, if I start off, cause it, I mean, it didn't happen both at the same time with both children. So with mm-hmm. my oldest one, um, I started seeing behaviors that for me seemed anxious and, you know, I could, um, I knew there was something to it and it was more than, you know, like your normal level of anxiety mm-hmm. that you, you would have either before an interview, before an exam or anything. It, it was, you know, every day and it logic wasn't, um, mm-hmm. you know, when I talk with them in communication, it wasn't making it, uh, you know, uh, help them manage it better. So I knew that I needed to seek help because, um, I knew that in my, um, my ex-partner's uh, side of the family, they had anxiety. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I knew that, you know, this might, be the same thing. So I needed, I wanted him to have, um, tools in his toolbox to be able to manage, um, the anxiety that he was going through because I, I can read and everything on anxiety, but I wanted him to also be equipped from a professional perspective. Okay. First off, um, I love what you're saying there and thank you for sharing that. I've, I've always had this strong belief and probably partly from my own story that I wish all kids could be exposed to some kind of counseling therapy um, experts from young ages so that there's no, we just learn that there's just, there's no problem with asking for help. There's no problem with, whereas, you know, if that is never something that they ever see, then it becomes this strange thing that why do I do this as an adult? And it's like, actually all of like many of us have had to do this at one point in our lives is to get some help or support or whatever you want to call that. So I think that's, I think that's great that that was something that was introduced to them at a younger age. And I think also that, uh, between parents, there's a bit of stigma in talking about mental health. And I feel that I did not have, you know, uh, a resource uh, to to go to. And, you know, I, I felt I felt quite alone, you know, and I, and it did, you know, um, put a stress on me because, you know, I do believe that um, there, I strongly believe there's no take backs and like in parenting, you know, you, you know, it's, uh, I do believe that you need to think about what you're doing. You need to, you know, um, analyze your, your child's behavior, talk with the uh, educate uh, the educators because mm-hmm. the edu- educators are with your kids like eight hours a day, five days exactly. a week. So they might see things that you're not seeing because you know mm-hmm. you're busy, you're this, you're that. So um, I think once you have that parental instinct that something is um, not driving, the first thing that I did myself. So first of all, parental instinct, like red flag coming up. And then the next thing I did was talk to the teacher Mm -hmm. and I had some set of questions to, to ask her. And after talking with her, that's when I said, okay, now I'm going to put my, start reading more on what I think, and I'm going to seek professional help. 
So when you approached the teacher, was she on the same page as you? Did she see oh, yes. the things? Okay. Yeah. Oh, so yes. it's, that's keeping that open dialogue is so important. Oh, yeah. So, so important. They can be an ally. They can definitely oh. be an ally. I, when we were in the thick of our throes with our kids, um, I kept a very open communication with the teachers and extremely open. And that helped us to be able to work together on many different acts. It didn't always fix things, but it certainly helped yes. because there was no hiding. It was like, how else can we work together with this? So yeah, I couldn't agree more about being open in that time. So that is about eight years ago, you're dealing with this and you are in the process of I'm sure as a parent, this is a lot to take on. And this is, um, so can you tell us a little bit about what your own self-care or practices were like at that time? This is not a criticism. I just want to get some context. What was it like for, for you in this time period? Um, I would say that probably the thing that I was doing, I, I mean, I had a, um, a wildly busy career, but I always made sure that when I, so the first thing I did for self-care was I exercised. That mm-hmm. was, that was big for me. That was my time for, for me. So that was one of the things, but my other priority was that, um, when I got back home, it was back home. Like, you know, that they were really know, segregated. Like yes. work was work, home was home. Yes. Unless there was like an emergency or whatever, I was really trying. Because at that point, my kids were going to bed early anyways. So mm-hmm. I can do those emails after. My kids were going to bed like at 7, 7.30, yeah. 8. So, you know, uh, I had a good uh, two hours if I needed to do something after. So I really wanted to focus on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's I mean, that's great. So when you were doing this and you were wearing both hats and doing everything that you're doing. When did things change for you after that? Like, how did you did like you went through some times there where it was, it was just the challenges continued and the challenges made it even more difficult with the volume of everything that you had going on with your kids or how did that look? What did that look like for you? Um, I think I've always been really good at uh, balancing things, but you know, anxiety is uh, anxiety, ADHD, mental health challenges in general. um, They evolve. So you can't, you don't have, there's no book where it says, okay, it's going to be like this. So you need to do step one, step two, step three. No, that's not how it works. And, and it plays out differently from like when they're children to teenagers. So, you know, you have to adapt. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's the one thing that I was good at is adapting. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and being open to trying different things because, you know, you, might you might get uh, you know advice from a professional on to do something but that might just not align with your child so it's not because it doesn't work you just have to go back to the drawing board and look at something else so eventually something will will help you know your child manage whether it's uh well for me whether it was anxiety or ADHD something there would be something that would help to manage uh, for example you know my son had a mantra on his door so that was for him you know he wrote it out himself and he has that on his door and you know when he's feeling you know a little bit anxious for whatever circumstance or reason you know he will go to that and look at yeah. okay this is my mantra i i can't say enough about mantras mantras i can't like i think they're really valuable i think that they're a way to ground us right back in the present yes. Because it's so easy to spiral. Like we, oh, can, yes. uh, as humans, we can spiral. It's like easier to spiral. <laughs> it is easier to spiral. And when, and it's funny when people will say, well, that's easy for you. And I'm like, oh no, it's not easy. I talk to no. myself on a regular basis. There's times I'm like, okay, no, Marsha, we're not doing this. We're not going down this spiral again. <laughs> like we're, let's just come back to what we can control. And there's are just practices that we put into place. They're not something that's automatic. So I love that he has that mantra or he, that's, that was something that really worked very effectively yep. for him at that time. So when you did, did, how did this time period affect you? Did you go through periods of um, doubt 
or certainty? Like, uh, tell us what your, how this Um, time affected you. Well, I guess the, um, for me, the, um, with my second son, there was um, a little bit more doubting in the sense because, because, you know, ADHD for me, what I knew about a, what little I knew about ADHD before is that I always imagine people have ADHD or hyperactive running around, jumping everywhere. Okay. And so I never thought my son had ADHD because he wasn't that type of child running and jumping around everywhere, but he had um, the ADHD type that the one that's inattentive and impulsive Mm. type. So, you know, I knew there was something not jiving because I could tell by, you know, uh, conversations with the teachers, the academic results. And so that pushed me at one point to go get um, a diagnosis. And then once it got diagnosed with ADHD, then I said to myself, now you need to learn everything about this because Mm -hmm. you can't just leave it to chance to anyone. No. So, so there was a little bit more, I would say stress on me with that because I had no clue what this was. It's, and this becomes a case where as a mom and you're saying at this point, you were a single parent. Is that correct? Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. So that's even more to, to take on. But at this point, like a lot of times as moms, we add that as like, I've got to learn everything I have to, which I understand, but I think we just take even more of that on. Oh yeah, definitely. We're like, like this way. I'll carry all of it. Don't you worry. I've got it all covered. And, um, my older, my one son is, um, he's very functioning Asperger's. And when he, I, when he was two years old, I was at the doctor's. I'm like, I think there's, I think there's something there. And he just happened to fit in that perfect storm of time where, you know, they didn't diagnose them till they were 13. There was no support available. Oh, wow, yeah. So he fell in the window. He was the perfect storm of when he fell in. And whereas then, then after that, it was like, they were being diagnosed at like three and four. So there was, it depended on how things went, but I remember reading everything that I could and I knew we were dealing with something but it took us almost 14 years or 12 years past that to be at a space where he could be diagnosed. And by then it was a, he was a 13, 14 year old boy who didn't want to, he wasn't going to listen to anything that was there. So it was a, I understand that journey of taking and wearing a lot of that to carry it, to try and help them is what you're trying to do, but yeah. it certainly becomes a lot on us as parents. Yeah. Because I guess, you know, for me, the, maybe the self pressure I was put on myself is that I want to give them, I, I kind of have a, it's like I have this men, this image in my head that I want to be able to give them a toolbox so that when they become adults and go off into the world, I've given them the tools to try to, to best navigate the challenges and issues that are going to arise in their adult life. Yes. I, and so I, I have analogy. that self pressure. Mm -hmm. So was there any point in time where that self-pressure became too much for you and you had to change maybe how you approach things, how you handle things or anything? Just how was that time for you as that continued to pile on? Um, You know, I think as I saw myself um, making progress, it did kind of balance it out, lighten the load because, you know, at first you don't know what you're doing. You're doing certain mm-hmm. things and that, and you're seeing no progress and you're wondering, am I doing this right? Am I not doing this right? Why isn't, but with time I've learned that you need to be patient. There's no quick solution. There's no easy fixes, you know, and you need to just apply the strategies to manage it. And, and they'll have their own pace, but just be consistent. Mm-hmm. And I it's, think that once I started to see wins mm-hmm. and I started to see we we're moving forward, that in a sense lightened the pressure on myself to say, you know what, you're, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. This is, um, I love what you're talking about and what you're saying here. This then became the fuel for what you do now. 
Like yes. this, like your story became, where was the turning point for you when you decided that this isn't just about me helping my kids as best as possible? I think there's actually a bigger picture here that I'm supposed to be doing or following. When did that change or shift happen? That happened um, over the the course of uh, the pandemic in the summer where, you know, I was doing a lot of um, soul searching myself Mm -hmm. um, individually. And I said to myself, you know, all of this uh, knowledge and all of the experience I've acquired, you know, I could be helping other people who are struggling or facing the same uh, issues. And I said to myself, you know, I'm going to start sharing this information in the hopes of helping people that are facing this because I myself didn't have that when I was Mm -hmm. facing it. Mm -hmm. Well, most of the time, what I find happens is that we then create, we create a business, a platform, something based on our story. This is just my experience. And we end up like our, our target market or person tends to be us a couple years ago. It tends yeah, to be like, it's like we become the solution that we never had. We, we become That's the so solution. True. Yeah. And so people go, I don't know who my, my actual niche market is. I'm like, I bet you it was probably you a couple years ago. And as soon as that happens, people are like, oh, it is. So you then decided to become more of a source of support, answer solutions for parents who were going through a lot of the same struggles that you were going through. Yes. Yes. And so what is the name of your company that you have created? It's Two Clear Minds. I love, I love this name. Can you explain where this name comes from? The background, from? eh? Well, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny because when I was sitting outside uh, this summer, you know, because finally we could be sitting outside and, you know, enjoying. <laughs> For that yeah. blip of time? Yes, go ahead. Yes, blip of time. You know, I said to my, I, what I imagine is like, you know, the two groups. So like there's the children, there's the parents. And all we want, like, you know, when things are all not clear, there's no clarity, you know, um, you, when you seek help, um, whether it's from a parent or child perspective, when you're seeking help, you gain clarity. So there's, I'm kind of envisioning the uh, parents or the people that are care, the caregivers for the child, and then the children and two clear minds. So now we have clarity. That's what pretty much where I was. I figured it had come from, but I loved, I loved that analogy that you just explained. So before we dive more into what you're doing in your business um, and how you how you offer that support, could you give any insight to a parent who might be listening to this? What are some of the? And this is a really general question. What are the, some of the signs or symptoms or things that? you could become, could become indicators that there are some mental health issues. And let's just be real for a second. We all have them. <laughs> like yeah. we all have like mental health is not something I love that somebody, somebody in my podcast said it, and I'm going to not going to do a service, but mental health is not something that you have and you have, and she doesn't have mental health is something that I, we all have. We all have and impacts and affects us. But as a parent, if you could go back and speak to say your younger self or another parent who's listening to this, what would be some of the things that you would say, you know, there, there are signs and symptoms that there is a bigger issue going on, not just a temperamental phase, if I can say that. Um, I would probably say that um, I would, I was not seeing myself having to, for example, if I look at my, uh, my son who has ADHD, I was not seeing myself asking the same thing a couple of times, or I wasn't, I wasn't noticing that he wasn't starting his homework when he should start his homework. You know, there was Mm -hmm. different things that I, um, or his, always forgetting things, you know, mm-hmm. um, those with him, that was certain things that, you know, I, I, I wasn't noticing as much as I should have noticed, but once it was getting pointed out to me by the teachers, and that's why I so much encourage that close collaboration with the teachers, because a lot of times they will see things that you don't see, or they'll shine a light on it. And then you'll start noticing it. And with my, um, 
Uh, and with him too, with the learning challenges is that, you know, that's something that we didn't pick up, I feel, uh, fast enough. Um, so um, reading, he had a, uh, well, still has um, a reading challenge. So when he was in younger grades of elementary, you know, I was being told by the teachers like that he had a reading challenge. So for me, the solution was, well, read more. I know. But that's not it. You yeah. know, it's way yeah. more complex than that. And finally, uh, thankfully, during this pandemic, there is a there is a silver lining is that during the pandemic, you know, last year, I got enormous help from the education specialists at the school. And we finally cracked a lot of the underlying issues with the reading. And now I can say he's reading at a level of his grade, mm, which he never wow. was before. But that took a lot of work, March, April, May, June, like mm-hmm. those four or five months, you know, we worked on the underlying issues and I was able to get tremendous help from her because she had the, you know, the knowledge behind it to go d- dig deeper. So, you know, I would say probably to when you get an ant, when you get something like a reading challenge or you get something like you have to dig deeper, you have to dig deeper, but why, but why, but why the other thing too, that I did that I feel has helped me a lot is journaling it. Mm. When I started, um, you know, that whether it was from either child, when there was an event that would happen, you know, um, that was, you know, off or, you know, wasn't jiving, I would write it because what happened is I started to see a pattern. I started to see, oh, this is always happening, you know, at this time, or this is all, this is always happening in this environment. And I started to see the triggers of what was you know, causing, um, whether it was the anxiety or whether it was, you know, the um, challenges uh, with ADHD, journaling uh, let, allowed me to see the patterns. And also once you, if you go see a professional, you have concrete examples there to show versus, mm-hmm. okay, let's get to see. And it, I don't want to say it speeds up the process, but it does a bit because you've been putting together the situations that you've encountered. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And along that, just to dig a little bit deeper, what would be one piece of advice or insight you would give to every parent with a child who's dealing with a, a child with some form of mental health challenges? What is, what is a piece of advice that you would give to them? Um, I think that a lot of times today in our society, we're very, very, we're a very competitive society and uh, parents are a lot focused on academics and um, not to say that academics are not important, but I believe that if there's not as much focus on self-esteem and mental health, well, you, you'll be facing those issues with your child as an adult later on. So I believe there has to be as much weight on self-esteem and mental health. Yep. I, I think that that is incredibly valuable what you just said. So how do you think are some of the best ways to help kids with their self-esteem and, and confidence? Um, I think that, you know, um, there has to be, um, as much balance in, you know, um, I, I call it like as much balance in praising versus, you know, pushing. So, um, you know, sometimes, you know, it's time to, you know, to push, you know, to say, listen, just try these strategies or just try this and to just give a little bit of a, of a nudge, you know, and sometimes you need to focus on praising, which is, you know, for me, the holidays is a big time to not focus on, you know, they've been through a lot, the children during the school year, I feel, and last year. And I feel that, you know, during the holidays, what I'm doing, because like I told you with those messages that I put in each day, I Mm -hmm. feel that this holiday is time to take, um, our, all parents take their foot off the brake 
and just let the kids be kids. Just let them, you know, be praising them, uh, be positive and, you know, just be there for them because sometimes we don't realize that, you know, this is, um, you know, they're used to seeing family members. They're used to seeing their mm -hmm. friends during the holidays. They're used to seeing their cousins and they have a stress too, that, you know, now they're not going to have what they had last year. And we can't diminish that for them, you know, to say, oh, well, you know, so I, I believe that, you know, you have to have a balance of, you know, being to push and also being positive messages and praising. I, I love that you went there and mentioned both of those, because I think that's so important in that balance, right? It's not the balance of, there's got to be some, whether it's, it's not even accountability, but accountability and focus about, you know, that they, we want them to work hard, but we don't necessarily have to push, right? You can, yeah. I, I remember even when the kids were younger saying like, I, 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 they had a lot of friends who were giving them, you know, the money for A's and the money for, and I was like, I'm not doing that. I will reward your effort every time because you could give full effort on something and still bring home a C or a B. But if you're not giving exactly. any effort, I'm like more, I am more concerned about not seeing effort than I am about what your number says. That's exactly how I feel. Like one of my sons um, has uh, for uh, reading comprehension and writing, that's where he faces more uh, challenges. And I always tell him what I will praise you for is that you used your strategies. Mm -hmm. not your mark that you used your strategies and that's what I want to see. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love it. So this is now your business. This is what you, so you've taken your story and what was important to you, what you learned on that journey and you're paying it forward now in this capacity. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about how your business works and what you are doing? I, but now we're in, we're in pandemic. So what does it look like for you and how do you support other families? So right now, um, there's a couple things I'm working on. So the first, it started off with the, the blog. So mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I thought it was important to post weekly articles on basically all the challenges and uh, issues that I've faced over the last eight years. And uh, that is uh, having, you know, it's reaching a certain amount of people who it's resonating with them. And then, you know, I'm talking with them, you know, um, off, you know, off uh, on Zoom or Google and we're having conversations where I feel I can help them. You know, one woman, you know, she was very concerned about where, because, I had faced the same situation and when I had to change my son from a school because they were not going to be able to help him with his, uh, they were want, not wanting to help him in the way that I felt he needed to be helped. Mm -hmm. um, I am also uh, looking at working towards uh, having a mental health center mm. in uh, Montreal um, and uh, I'm also toying with a podcast having a podcast on these different types of issues because I feel that, you know, people I've been asked because, you know, right now today in our world, not everyone wants to uh, read. People want to have it, you know, live and, you know, have a, you know, be able to, you know, have interactions. So, um, and be able to have a live podcast on the different issues. So that's an another one. And the um, other thing I'm working on is, um, I'm affiliated with a group. It's an international group. It's called uh, Mental Health Voices Campaign. Um, it's people in the UK. And what their initiative is, and I've come on board with them, is to uh, globally spread the message of mental health. So the uh, goal is to have uh, a million voices. I love that. And so to globally spread the message of mental health and a million voices, what does that look like? Is that a million people that you have reached? Is that? Yes. A million people we have reached. And basically, you know, we're now working on the, uh, the nitty gritty of get, getting that out, um, mm -hmm. getting that platform where people can basically um, have a safe place 
where they can go um, put whether it's a art form or um, a, um, a written piece or anything that has to do with mental health, but they get, um, it's a safe space for them to go express themselves. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, they're really, you know, it's funny because um, I've had a lot of uh, communication with uh, people in Europe, people in Australia, people in the States. So, you know, it's been really, um, you know, um, inspiring all these people that are doing different initiatives all over the world. And when I um, ended up communicating with uh, Simon Buckton uh, in the UK, we ended up having really back and forth communication. He's like, you know what? I want you on my steering committee for this mental health voices campaign. Nice. So I'm working on that now. Nice. Good for you. It's amazing though. When you get to a space that you start sharing your story and start sharing your purpose and with passion that people can hear you and your voice and stories start to reach. It's amazing how many brand new people come into your space. Yes. It's, it's, that is what continually blows me away. Brand new people that come into your space that they're like, Oh my gosh, this is great. I want, how can I be part of it? Could you help me with here? And then all of a sudden these beautiful collaborative relationships come into place. Yes. And now your voice is not just one-to-one, it becomes a one-to-many. Yep. I would, I would, I would agree with that. And that's kind of what I've seen in the last, you know, six months is uh, having, because, you know, I started with the blog and then, um, you know, I was wanting to work, work towards having a mental health center, but then all these other things have also, you know, I never thought of a mental health voices campaign globally. Like I would, I, I just didn't wasn't even on the radar. Right? No, it wasn't <laughs> on my radar at all. And yeah. then, you know, he reaches out to me and we end up, you know, having a call and uh, now I'm working on that. So That's it's awesome. been really nice. That's awesome. Is there, um, is there anything that you can say right now to be aware of or anything you could give light or advice to this is, I mean, I think that we've done in Canada in general over the last, I'm going to say just a, 10 years, we certainly do talk more about mental health, but there's a long ways to go. There's absolutely a long ways to go. There's no question. We talk about it more, but that's about as far, like this is, this is work that needs to be done. How do you see this year in general uh, through a pandemic? How has this affected or impacted people's mental health and how can they realize or recognize that this is an issue that's affecting them and that they're not alone, but just, just curious. Um, I was on another um, podcast last week and I was kind of asked a similar question and, you know, it was, it was kind of like I said, there's a positive to the pandemic in the sense that, you know, if we weren't aware that there was a mental health problem, it's impossible after this pandemic being with your family members 24 seven that you're not aware. Yes. So I would say, you know, is it solved by just knowing? No, but you know, there's more light shone on it. And uh, I think that, you know, that should drive you to go seek help. Because now you're see it's evident, you know, you're whatever, how many family members you are in your own house, 24 seven, you know, you're, yeah. you know, for me, I actually, you know, when, um, March, uh, hit, you know, it didn't take me long to also see certain things that I hadn't, uh, paid attention to that. Now I was like, Oh, wow. You know? I didn't notice this that much. Now I notice this. So, you know, it's things that I ended up after that focusing on because not everything you, you need to seek help. It's just, you need to be aware and then mm -hmm. you need to educate yourself. And then you just need to have, you know, open communication with your kids and work on, you know, the, the things that need to be worked on. So. Yeah, I, 100. percent I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Over the last, I would say, is it it happens not regularly, but it has happened many times where I've had messages in my inbox from parents stating that you know my son's struggling with depression, my daughter is experiencing this. What can what can I do, or how do I make them get help? 
And this is a really tricky one because um, we can't we can't make anyone do anything in um, we, in, in Canada. That I, I should say at least Ontario. I can't go past that. Um, but this is a common question, and I am forever saying like reach out to, to your doctor. Be very open, like open with what your concerns are, because maybe there is something that can be done there. So. Ken, is there anything that you could give for advice in pertaining to that? For example, say parents who are really noticing and questioning about what can I do to really help shift this? I think I was, I was, I'm just going to preface. I was listening yesterday on the news and they were saying that that teen age, that 15, 14, 15 to 18, where most of their life is about the social identity of school and they start to move away from their parents a little bit more they are really struggling right now because they they're losing all of that connection. And a lot of parents are coming across saying, well, this is crazy because you, you have no idea how hard this pandemic has affected me or you have nothing in comparison. And they were saying, we can't be little because this is their world. This is their world. And we can't be little because in their world, it's a reality. Does that make sense? Oh my God. That makes so much sense because I mean, you know, you know, I, I, I would not have a conversation like that with my child because we need to be the bigger person. I Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for saying that because I just, it, it, in that context, what I've also had is a number of parents who are in a state that they feel, they say they feel so guilty for how traumatic this year has been for them that they feel this need to overcompensate with so much at Christmas now. And I'm like, it's, we have that those, there's a real separate dividing line between how do I say this? Like as parents, we, we have to take care of ourselves too. And we can't be using, like we, if we call this the most traumatic year ever with our kids, that's what they know this as. Exactly. Exactly. So, you, just, you know, do we need to make it some things, maybe little traditions, some things special during the holidays? Yes. But if you keep yeah. on saying, you know, this is the worst year of my life or, you know, well, they're going to start thinking it's also the worst year of my life. You have to put, you are. know, I always say that, you know, what I try to do the most possible, do I always succeed? Uh, I, I know, but what I try to do the most possible is to not have my, stress or my woes on my children because they will not ever understand the stress that a parent or an adult is under uh, until they are in that, in that space. There's nothing you can tell them that they will get it because it's not, think about, I always think back to like when my parents would say something when I was younger and I'm like, they just don't get it. Like, because we don't see it from each other's point of view, nor can we, we can't. No. And, you know, and they have their, they have their own stresses. And, and, you know, for me with my son, I remember when we, um, was it last year? Yeah. Uh, around a year ago or something where, you know, we had a, a, a law where we didn't go see someone, but then he had some other kind of, you know, going, like I said, you go through different stages with uh, mental health. So we went to go see someone again. And I remember at first, you know, he did not want to go. He was just like, I don't want to go, but we have a very good um, communication. That's and awesome. um, I said to him, I said, listen, give it, you know, just around two, three visits. And if you don't want to go after, then that is fine. And then it's up to, in my opinion, the mental health professional to create a connection. Mm -hmm. Okay. With your child. And, you know, she, you know, she, I remember the first visit after the first visit, he was like, (laughs) <laughs> not wanting to go back. And, but I reminded him, I said, listen, we had a pact. You were going to try it, you know, around uh, three visits. And after that, you know, if, you know, it doesn't, if you don't like it, if you haven't formed a you know, connection, then you know what, we'll, we'll try something else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the third visit, he was saying, I feel great when he left. Oh, that's amazing. That's wonderful. That is seriously wonderful. I love that. I love hearing that. And I also believe uh, that what I did first is I met the person on my own because I know my child and I know who he will connect with. 
Mm-hmm. So my instinct told me that this person was going to be able to, you know, make a connection and was going to be able to give him strategies to manage his anxiety. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, those are some great, great tips there. Um, we also spoke earlier uh, before we started recording, and I just want to ask this so that you can speak your thoughts on this, is that as a single mom, as a mom who has dealt with um, mental health challenges with with both your kids and now building a business around it, what are your is your experience on asking and receiving help? Uh, that's uh, something I'm working towards all the time. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. We all are. <laughs> because uh, I'm not, you know, managing um, a uh, big business in my uh, other career. You know, I was used to always being the one that um, basically gave help. And now I'm the one asking for help. So that's mm-hmm. a very that's very challenging for me. Um, have I improved? Yes, I have improved Mm -hmm. in asking for help, but it is one of my probably key challenges. Yeah. You and every other mom, seriously. Yeah. It's just, I'm just going to be real for a second. It's like you and any, it's such a, such a thing is that we have to be willing to ask for help. And I actually believe like a lot of times it's proven many times in my life that there are people who want to help just like I want to help other people. Like it's, so it's, we have to, we have to allow others to help us through that process and we have to be willing to ask and receive it. And there are times sometimes in our life when we're going to be forced into a situation that we, we can't do it on our own. We just, we, we physically can't. And I, I had um, surgery just over two months ago and I, my husband had a whole team set up with like, we had, we had calls, we had food, we had all these things set up and it was, you know, I mean, I, I hate having to ask for help, but at the same time, it was like, there was just no question. There was no question whatsoever. And a lot of people actually enjoyed being able to help, but I also look forward to paying that forward when I can, because someone else is going to need it somewhere else down the road. So I think there's a real blessing being able to ask for and receiving help. Yes. That's something I, I definitely will improve on. Yeah. All of us. Absolutely. All of us. Where, um, where's the best place for people to connect with you, follow you. I'll make sure all of your contacts in the show notes and your blog to be able to reach you, but where are you most active as far as in the online space? I guess, you know, there's the normal, my, my website, uh, mm-hmm. but where I'm the most active these days is, uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Yep. My Facebook is under construction. So that should be coming up sometime in the January. So okay. I will Perfect. have a, a company page there, but right now for the moment, it's uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Awesome. I'll make sure all those links are there. Um, I have a couple quick questions for you that I want to ask. What impact do you want to leave or create in this world? Um, What I want is for um, our society to take um, a serious uh, mental health as they do physical health. Mm. And that, you know, there's not a stigma um, attached to um, people having challenges with their mental health. Because like you said at the beginning of the interview, which I thought was great, is that, you know, everyone either will struggle with it, you know, all their life, or they will have it at issues or challenges at different points in their life. So we need to all be uh, cognizant that, you know, people, you know, are going through challenges and they do need help. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And I think that that's extremely valuable in a society where we are very much um, sports focused and athletes focused, yes. um, which of course is all really has been affected as well now too. But yes. I do think that this is, I think that this is very, very valuable because all of us know somebody who has been impacted very directly through mental health, mental health challenges. And so it's not, we don't have to go far from home to deal with, to see somebody who has been impacted or affected by this. I agree. I mean, it's everywhere around us. And the only thing is it's 
harder to see someone that's suffering from mental health versus physical health. So, you know, you could have someone that's right beside you that, you know, that person is not showing that they're in a depression or that, uh, you know, they have, uh, they're uh, masking their anxiety. So, you know, it's something where if we decrease the stigma, because we're talking a lot about it now, but there's still a lot of stigma mm-hmm. around, men- around mental health. So, you know, I want to get to a point where there isn't that stigma around it because, I mean, it's something that we all live, we all struggle with, and we oh, all must. need to overcome and manage. Mm-hmm. 100%, all of us, all of us. I Yes, I couldn't agree more. Last question I have for you is, what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Hmm. Um, probably, um, for being, um, never giving up, Mm. never giving up, you know, that, that has fueled me in my, uh, professional career. And it's also fueled me, uh, with my children, you know, when, you know, seeing that things are, uh, something's not working, uh, the anxiety is getting worse. I could have, you know, just, uh, you know, um, given up or saying it's just not going to work, but no, going back to the drawing board, finding other solutions, seeing other patterns, talking with different people, and then, you know, formulating a plan in my head of how we're going to move forward. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I think that that is absolutely beautiful. And I really thank you for being on the show today and for sharing something that is so, so important and so necessary. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.